0: As Christians, we are sometimes accused of being inconsistent. Perhaps sometimes we even feel that there is something vaguely inconsistent in the Christian faith. The alleged inconsistency is this, that there is somehow a conflict between the notions of self-sacrifice and self-forgetting and service to others that we so often hear proclaimed as the Christian ideal and the strong desire for personal salvation that comes from wanting to be among the elect in heaven. We can certainly point to seemingly disparate things that Jesus said in the Gospels. For example, at one point Jesus said, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Similarly, Jesus says elsewhere, rather whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be the slave. All that can certainly make the Christian life sound like a burdensome, thankless affair, a complete surrender of oneself to Christ, which includes a share in something like the misery of the cross. Yet then we have passages like this from today's gospel where Jesus promises salvation to his followers. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? This leads to the accusation by some that for Christians, this talk about self-sacrifice and charity to others is just a facade because underneath they will claim Christians are just concerned with saving themselves that Christianity is really about this self-absorbed desire to be thought holy by God and thus to be admitted to the paradise of heaven. After all, how many times have you heard an atheist or someone like that say something to this effect? If someone only tries to be good to please God, then they aren't being really good, they're just pretending. Or they'll say, people who do good things without any thought of God's favor or the rewards of the afterlife, those people are the ones who are really morally upright. This way of thinking, which has a certain commonsensical quality to it, we can all agree, for example, that there are some people who do things for selfish, ulterior motives. For example... We have colorful names for people who marry for money rather than for love. Or we call people social climbers or upstarts when they seek friendship, not based upon genuine affection, but upon a desire to obtain business contacts or social status for themselves. Or we call a soldier, a mercenary, when he fights, not for his own country, but for whatever nation or group will pay him the best. Or as Jesus says, of people who do good works in order that they might be seen by others. He says, when you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. Or when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in synagogues and on street corners so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. In each of these examples, there is a disordered connection between the activity undertaken and the reward that is sought from it. But there is a fundamental difference between those kinds of exercises in self-centeredness and greed and the proper Christian desire for heavenly glory. Think of it this way. When the proper ends are sought, it is not self-centered or vainglorious for a person to desire the normal rewards of their relationships or their activities. For example, it's not selfish or greedy for a person to desire to enjoy time with their spouse or their friend. Indeed, it is this kind of joy for which marriage and friendship exists. Similarly, it's not mercenary for a soldier, a soldier to desire to win the war that they are fighting, Rather, this is the good which military service aims at. Nor is it wrong to seek the personal satisfaction that comes from prayer to God or from charity to others. These are the normal and natural fruits of those activities. The same is true many times over when it comes to our desire for heaven. The Christian desire for everlasting life is or should be the desire to be with God it's not some desire for glory apart from God. It's not seeking a reward that is disconnected or disproportionate to the Christian life. Rather, it's seeking the glory which God himself has promised to us in our baptism. C.S. Lewis said that the desire for God, the glory of God's kingdom is like that of a child for the genuine love and praise of his or her parents. It's not a selfish or egocentric or vain kind of desire. It's rather the most natural thing in the world. It's the normal way in which a child relates to a parent. And the same is true of a Christian before God. Too often, people think of God like some snooty maitre d' at a fancy restaurant. That is, someone that we have to superficially impress in order to be seated at the banquet of heaven. But our relationship with God is not like this at all. Yesterday, our second graders received their first Holy Communion. They were, in the strict sense, receiving something that they were totally unworthy to receive, as are any of us. None is worthy to receive the body and blood of Christ. Yet, as Christians, elevated as we are by God's grace, communion in our Lord's body and blood is something that becomes natural to us. By the same token, as Christians are desire to do the things which God commands us to do in order to obtain heaven, don't take on the character of mercenary duties. Love your neighbor, feed the hungry, visit the sick, aid the poor. These are the things that a Christian will do to please God, and they please God and us because they meet genuine human needs. We don't do them in the hopes of obtaining some kind of VIP pass into heaven, but because they are the fruits of the love that God has given to us in baptism and in the other sacraments. A love that we long to finally consummate when we see the face of Christ. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.